Halloween night, 1963. Judith Myers lies upstairs on the floor of her bedroom in a heap, stabbed to death. Outside, two concerned parents race over to find the killer standing in the front lawn, dressed in a clown costume, holding a bloody knife. The killer, the perpetrator, is none other than their son, Judas' brother, six-year-old Michael Myers. And from that night on, Halloween is never the same. And welcome back, everybody. Little, little dramatic reading uh, to start off today's show. Kind of a callback to my uh, my performing arts uh, days, acting days, if you will. Um, I am Phil Walsh, and you are listening to Phil at the Movies, episode number twenty-five of this ongoing podcast series dedicated to the movies, or as I enjoy saying, for the love of movies, the good the bad, everything in between. I talk about it all on this show, and especially now, we are entering spooky season. We already are in spooky season, as far as I'm concerned, and I am continuing my reviews of each movie in the Halloween series in lead-up to the release of Halloween Ends, which, as of the release of today's episode, is now just two weeks away. A new trailer dropped this week, loads of new TV spots, magazine articles, you name it. I mean, the hype is is there. It is real. Halloween is coming. The end is coming. And I, I cannot wait. Honest to God, as you all know, if you've been listening to this show for the last number of weeks, I am a huge fan of the Halloween series. That's why I've been doing these reviews. And Certainly, uh, my uh, my anticipation is through the roof with the uh, upcoming release of Halloween Ends, the final installment in the Halloween series, at least for now. But but certainly, uh, the end for this particular storyline connected all the way back to 1978, the original John Carpenter's Halloween. This is it, and of course, it goes without saying, Halloween Ends will be Jamie Lee Curtis's final. Time as Laurie Strode and uh, God, <sighs> cue the tears. Honest to God, I, I it it is such a it's such an emotional moment. And again, as a fan of this series and and as someone who who loves these characters and this storyline, uh, I, I I it's bittersweet to know that the end is just a few short weeks away. But uh, again, as I've been saying from the start, enjoy the ride. I've been enjoying this ride with the release of all the new TV spots, now the new trailer, magazine articles, promos, you name it. Uh, It's been quite an experience because, again, we've had back-to-back years now of Halloween movies released, and that just doesn't happen all the time. Who knows when the next Halloween film or TV show or whatever is going to come down the pike. It isn't going to be next year. I, I'm confident in saying that. But uh, you know, j- just enjoy the ride. Again, to all the uh, to all the naysayers out there, I know there are some, uh, uh, shall we say, grouchy voices on Twitter who are, you know, just jumping at the opportunity to uh, to uh, nitpick and and tear things apart. I just say, you know what? Calm down. 
Enjoy the ride. Ha- ha- have some have some uh, Halloween candy. It's it's out in stock right now. So uh, with that, uh, I've, I've, I'll get off my soapbox and uh, again welcome you back to today's episode, continuing my review of each movie in the Halloween franchise. And today is a special one. Today I am talking about the one. The only, the original, the classic, John Carpenter's Halloween, the movie that started it all back in 1978, 44 years ago this November, uh, this October. My God, I mean, just again, the fact that we're talking about it now, the fact that I'm talking about it here on on this podcast, I think illustrates just how how uh, long lasting and 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 how much staying power the the Halloween franchise and Michael Myers has had on the pop culture and kind of of the holiday itself i mean when you think of halloween certainly when i think of the season the holiday halloween michael myers is not far is not far from mind so uh today very excited to give you my thoughts on the original film the one that started it all and you know just as a as sort of a a fun fact, if you will, Halloween is by far my favorite horror movie, my favorite slasher movie. But putting all of that aside, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Full stop. People, you know, will say to me, "Oh, Phil, you know, what's your favorite movies?" And you know, I, I kind of have like a, a top ten uh, ranking, and and pretty much anything after uh, number four, sort of changes like you know depending on mood or taste and there seems to be a a, a flux some movies are always there some are not but consistently whenever someone says you know phil name your you know top three easy thing to say easy thing for me to answer the dark knight jaws and halloween and that's it and and now i i have talked about two of these these films going to talk about halloween today so i feel like i've completed my uh, my trilogy if you will of my 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 top 3 favorite films of all time but before i put halloween on the chopping block before i carve into this pumpkin uh, so to speak uh just a little bit of housekeeping as always want to thank you the listeners for tuning in each week and hearing what i have to say on 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 movies and and particularly for hearing what I have to say the last number of weeks on on Halloween I I I apologize if you are not a fan of the of the franchise or more, maybe more of a casual fan I promise you that uh, in the coming weeks I will be tackling uh, some other films some more uh, current films uh, in fact don't worry darling um, the Fablemans, just you know, to you know, name a few off the top of my head, uh, won't just be all Halloween all the time. But you know, I figured in in anticipation of of the new of the new film, it just made perfect sense to do a, a weekly uh, review of each of each film, counting down the days until the release of Halloween ends, which of course is now just two weeks away. But uh, in any event, uh, you know, normal uh, programming will resume uh, in, in just a little bit. So uh, if, you know, if you're not a fan of the, uh, uh, of the franchise, if you're not a, uh, a fan of, of slasher films, I can promise you uh, some more mainstream, some more traditional uh, pieces of cinema will be on the way uh, in, on the menu in, in just a few short week so uh, bear with me uh, if you if you can uh but but any event uh 
Thank you, as always, for, for, for tuning in, for your feedback, for your response, for your engagement with this with this show. I, as I've said from the beginning, I, I sound like a broken record, I'm sure, but this is a passion project for me. And I'm doing this you know, for the love of movies. I love talking about them. I love watching them. But uh, to have your response and, and your feedback and encouragement has just made it all that more enjoyable and worthwhile. So thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for, for tuning in and, and for your for your kind wor- uh, words of support. It really, it, ju- it just means the world to me. So I, I thank you. Uh, thank you dearly. And um, if you uh, if you have not done so already, feel free to hit that subscribe button, follow along, and feel free to share this podcast with your family, your friends, anybody who you think might enjoy listening to a movie buff go on at great lengths with uh, passionate thoughts, if you will, about cinema and, and movies in general. Uh, I think that takes care of that little bit of uh, housekeeping. One uh, final note, um, there was an issue with last week's show, kind of the last few minutes of it, uh, something with the audio, I mean, the joys of technology, right? Uh, but it is corrected. I I have uh, re-uploaded it, and uh, special uh, thanks and shout-out to my uh, friend and, and fellow uh, fellow podcaster and, uh, and YouTube host, uh, Chris Evans. Thank you for catching that man. Uh, sincerely appreciate uh, your uh, your uh, your uh, your careful ear uh, picking up the uh, the technical snafu. So I appreciate that. And again, a little plug for his uh, weekly YouTube show, Gathering of the Geeks. It's on YouTube every Sunday at nine o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Feel free to check it out. It is a great time. And uh, he and his friend uh, Emmett they uh, they host this kind of a weekly roundup, if we will, and and talking about. Different, uh, you know, movies and comic books and uh, TV shows and kind of just a – it's a great gathering. It's its really a, a great community, and I, I highly recommend it. Uh, so feel free to uh, to check them out. They also have a, a podcast where they're going through each of the uh, Lord of the Rings uh, episodes, the Ring of Power uh, episodes, and, and that is absolutely fantastic and feel free to uh to download that show it is uh it's well worth a listen uh trust me on that note all right with that taking care of uh the necessary uh housekeeping business gonna dive uh gonna gonna begin the the uh, discussion uh, so uh feel free to uh get yourself a beverage get a comfortable seat i've got my nice uh, cup of a uh, pumpkin spice coffee here this is like Cup number five of the day. I know I'm I'm well caffeinated and and just high on life right now. So uh, you know, you know, if if you could see me, I, I'm just like bouncing off the wall. But uh, nevertheless, let's begin with uh, with Halloween, the original film, the one that started it all. And I ha- I have to say, this is one of those movies where I can remember the first time that I I watched it. I was in middle school. I must have been around, I don't know, probably 6th or 7th grade. And I was aware of of Halloween. I was aware of the Michael Myers character kind of in the cultural, pop cultural zeitgeist. Like, I mean, just you're aware of it. You know, I didn't know all of the details. I didn't know all the specifics. I just was aware that there was a movie and a series called Halloween and there was a guy in a white mask who ran around and killed people. I mean, that, that was it. You know, kind of very superficial, above above ground stuff, 
Uh, and for whatever the reason, it intrigued me. And and maybe that was because I have always liked scary movies. I mean, I remember I must have been in third or fourth grade watching on what was then the uh, I think the AMC Monster Fest. Now it's Fear Fest, but you know, again, probably dating myself a little bit. But uh, they were showing all of the classic Universal films that year: Dracula, Frankenstein. And and I was just hooked. I was hooked with them. I I I watched them, and I wasn't afraid. I just I I enjoyed the, the films. They were they were they were entertaining. And I remember that Christmas, I got the whole uh, catalog of, of of films on on VHS. It was Dracula, Bride of Frankenstein, Frankenstein, The Mummy, uh, Wolfman, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, uh, the Phantom of the Opera. I mean, I mean, literally the entire Universal monster collection and it was it was wonderful it was, it was a great christmas vacation uh to to say the least but that kind of started my interest in the genre and of course you, know, you start you know you get older and you start to you know see what else is out there and you know, for whatever the reason you know who knows you know what's going on inside the subconscious and the brain uh but but halloween was intriguing to me it just the idea of it that there was a movie called Halloween set on Halloween, and, and again, the the marketing writes itself. It's it's a Halloween movie, and so I was intrigued by it, and it was interesting because for whatever the reason, they did not show Halloween on TV that year, or they didn't show it on the 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 Fear Fest, the Monster Fest, and so you know Halloween, uh, you know, came and went, and uh, you know. I, uh, you know, went about my business, so to speak, again, aware of the franchise, aware of the character, but not in, uh, in, you know, engaged with it in any way. And then in January, I can remember clearly, uh, I saw advertised on TV that there was going to be a Friday night movie special. And it, it must have been something they were doing every Friday on AMC. This is probably, again, you know, circa, you know, 2006 or something. And they um, they had it advertised, and I was so intrigued as they, they were saying we're going to show the original Halloween, the original Halloween, and I'm like, all right, this this is pretty cool. I'm gonna, I'm going to have to watch this because again, wanting to see this movie, wanting to 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 check it out, and you know, too too I don't know, too uh, you know, insecure. I don't know, too. Uh, you know, proud or whatever. I, I don't know what it, what what the feeling was to like you know go and ask um, you know my 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 parents to like go check it you know go check out the movie or something and you know you certainly weren't going to find it at the local library, um, but you know it was going to be on TV and I was like all right I'm I'm going to have to watch this and then for whatever the reason there was a commitment that came up that Friday night and so you know this is of course the days when you could tape something and uh, I popped the uh, the old v- VHS into the machine and set the timer. I said, well, I'll I'll watch this, you know, the next day or something. And, you know, nevertheless, you came home Friday night and uh, it was, I don't know, probably like 9, 9, 10 o'clock. And, and the movie was, was, must have been about half done or about done. And so I waited for the tape, you know, to finish recording because I wanted to watch it. So this is me, you know, middle school, give or take. And... Everyone, of course, in my house gone to bed, you know, family and all that. They went to bed. And I, I'm, you know, sitting up, must have been on around 10, 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. 
And I decide I'm going to watch this. Mind you, of course, it's January, you know, watching a, watching a Halloween movie. But again, you know, beggars can't be choosers. And so I started over and, you know, rewind it, you know, days of rewinding the tape. And I get, you know, I get comfortable in the seat and I press play. And it, I have never had an experience like this. Uh, you know, probably outside of going to the Dark Knight, and and again, I'm not trying to make some comparison with, with the, you know, Halloween and the Dark Knight, you know, two totally separate films, genres, you know, years of like just again, the experience, the moment the the, the film started, the opening credits, I was hooked, and, and like, you know, the the house could have been you know been on fire, kind of a thing, and I would have been just locked in. To this movie, the the credits, it, you know, it just it reels you in. You see the you know, mu- you know, the music is ominous. And you see the pumpkin, and you know, Donald Pleasant's in John Carpenter's Halloween, introducing Jamie Lee Curtis. I mean, it was just it was such a moment, and it just keeps going and keeps going. And of course, having no you know frame of reference, having never seen the film, just just knowing about the 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 idea of okay, Michael Myers and Halloween and whatnot, and okay, Jamie Lee Curtis is in it, you know, just going in almost, you know, pretty much blind, it was such an experience, it was such a a, a thrill that literally, I, I was both terrified and riveted at the same time, you know, again, mind you, I'm, you know, I'm in middle school, sitting here on the sofa in my family room, watching this movie, and again, you know, it's it's edited for TV, but still, at that age, like you know, holy shit, you are you are just transported into this world. And honest to God, the moment it ended, you know, Loomis walks in. Okay, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, but you know, Loomis walks in. You know, bang, 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 shoots Michael off the balcony. You know, again, I'm aware that you know there's other movies, but you know, don't know all the context and, and situation. Loomis walks over the balcony. Michael is gone. Oh, dear God. Let me tell you, when the movie ended, like, I, I, can, I can't imagine how it was for people in 1978 leaving that theater. Literally, I turned off the TV, and I had to put on every light downstairs. I'm checking under the, under the sofa. I'm looking behind the doors. I literally... You know, in my bedroom that night, I'm like, you know, double checking in the closet, making sure you know nothing under the bed. And literally, I swear to God, I spent that entire night eyes wide open, white knuckled, clenching <laughs> the covers and the sheets, just staring at the wall, counting down the hours until daylight. I, it was such an impact. And it was, as much as I was afraid, I was. I was intrigued. You know, there's that whole thing, like, you know, the fun houses and going to haunted houses and and just the thrill of a scary movie. There's something fun to being afraid in a controlled setting, you know, where the lights could go up. And I knew right then and there, I said, okay, this this, this was a was a hell of a film. This was a hell of a movie. I'm going to have to watch it again. I'm going to have to watch the whole whole series of them. And, I mean, from then on, I was I was hooked. I mean, you know, I... I you know, bit bit the apple, so to speak. I, I have been a fan uh, of of Halloween, and it, it it has stayed with me through these you know all these years later, where where I not only you know consider it a a 
you know, wonderful, uh, you know, entry in the in the horror genre. But it, it's a damn good film. It's a fine. It's one of the greatest films I think ever made, uh, as far as I'm concerned. And that's really what I wanted to to go into today, because I mean, certainly, you know, there's been so much recorded and said and documented about this movie you know, that was made 44 years ago. So I mean, there's nothing really that I can, you know, more or less, you know, you know, add to the you know, add to the pot, so to speak, other than just to say, you know, what this movie means to me, how it how it has, you know, has impacted uh, my life, and, and frankly, you know, why I, I continue to enjoy this franchise. I mean, the fact that, you know, I'm talking about it 44 years after it was released, in lead up to now the next installment in the, in the franchise, I think shows and illustrates that this movie had staying power and has staying power because it connected with an audience. And, you know, I wonder, like, why? why how did this this film that was made for $325,000, I mean, think about that. Even in, you know, 1978, I mean, it's, you know, even today, of course, you know, it's a lot of money. But, you know, in context, I mean, this is not, you know, think Superman, which came out in December of 1978. Think of Star Wars the year before, 1977. Halloween was a low-budget, low-budget movie. Like, I mean, th- this was independent filmmaking at its finest. Everybody helped out. They had one trailer that had all of the studio, uh, all the departments, so to speak. It was friends helping friends. It was a, a film school buddy's nirvana. Like, I mean, this this was a a, a just, you know, kind of a, you know, I don't want to call it a student film project, but I mean, like that was almost the spirit on the set. Everybody was, you know, having a great time, was laughing, joking, and of course, nobody thought, nobody thought, from Carpenter to Curtis to Pleasance, nobody thought for a moment that they were making cinematic history. I mean, no one thought that Michael Myers was going to be launched into the pantheon of 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 horror movie villains you know alongside dracula frankenstein i mean frankly you know michael is he towers over everybody i mean he just has had such an an impact and you know what why how does this movie work what is it well i think part of it was again halloween was not the first quote unquote slasher movie it wasn't the first film to you know put the audience in the point of view of the killer this was the one that kind of took everything that came before from from psycho to peeping tom black christmas texas chainsaw massacre and put it all in this sort of neat little package and of course everybody that came afterwards looking at you friday the 13th you know and all the imitators they just took what 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 was there in halloween and ran with it but of course they didn't understand, and I, I, I will stand by this. Friday the Thirteenth, Prom Night, Terror Train, uh, Slumber Party Massacre. I mean, like you know, all of the imitators that came afterward. You know, Bloody Valentine. You know, and even frankly, some of the Halloween sequels later on. None of them understood or captured what made the original film so special. And I think part of that is the simplicity of it. Now, what do I mean by the simplicity of it? Well, first off, this was not a big-budget film. It was not a, a, a ritzy affair. $325,000. The biggest portion of the salary went to Donald Pleasance, which I will certainly get to uh, him in a moment. But, I mean, that was the biggest portion of the salary. Again, 
everything else was was just sort of you know you know how can we you know cut corners here and what can we do there i mean the the mask was a a william shatner mask that was repurposed eyebrows shaved you know the sideburns taken off the hair teased out face spray painted white eye holes were widened i mean that was it like we're talking very very simplistic stuff i mean compare that with today where the mask is sort of this whole uh, involved process and has to be just right, and they're spending probably millions of dollars to get it to get it to look right. Uh, this, of course, you know, was just like, all right, go down to the costume store and grab a mask and uh, you know whatnot. Like you know, they had no pumpkins; they were they were painting you know melons and and different items to you know have it look like fall. And they went to a florist and bought a bunch of fake leaves and painted them, and then using a fan. And then they had to literally go and rake up all the leaves. Jamie Lee Curtis was helping raking up the leaves. Like I mean, this was a a ragtag band of 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 of, of filmmakers. Again, all of them novices in many ways, but they were all committed. To the, to the idea of making a scary movie. And I think, you know, that shines through because what Halloween does and what the imitators failed to do, Halloween is, is really a suspense movie. It's not a slasher movie in the sense of there's blood and guts every five minutes. Yes, Michael Myers is running around with a knife, but... At its core, Halloween is a suspense thriller, very much in the tradition of Alfred Hitchcock, you know, things Psycho and, and Touch of Evil. Those those films played a huge role and in influence in the style and the camera work and, frankly, the lighting for Halloween. And, I mean, lighting is a whole other thing. I mean, it's almost a character in and of itself where, you know, darkness and, and daylight can almost be uh, points of the story, uh, if you will, but... Again, this was a suspense film. It was more about the build-up and the dread rather than the final execution. And I think that's what makes the movie so brilliant. It's a slow burner. I mean, today's audiences, it would probably be relatively tame. I mean, it, it is tame. Uh, certainly, you know, people aren't getting, you know, tongues ripped out or eyes gouged out or, or, or throat slit every five seconds. Like, I mean, again... By today's standards, the movie is very tame and you know, probably borderline PG. Like, but but back then, and, and again, even in its tradition, its style, it, it's meant to sort of be this this build up. It's not meant to be in your face. You know, the film starts very slow. We're you know in the point of view of of a killer. We don't know it's of course six year old Michael Myers, but we're following the point of view of a killer. And again, it's the build up. It's not like we start the movie. And Judith is dead. It's like we're, we're we're working up to that, and then of course after that, slows down again, less tension. You know, kind of you know, again, build up, build up. Michael escapes again, slows down. Back to Haddonfield. We meet Laurie, slowing down again. Loomis is on the hunt. You know, again, just slowing it, slowing it down. But it's through that pacing, which again by today's standards, you know, most audiences would probably say, oh no no no, you know, speed it up. That allows the story to develop and marinate, and we get to actually enjoy being with these characters. The mistake that later films, and again, I'm looking at the imitators, <clears throat> Friday the 13th, the characters were cardboard cutouts. They were not fully developed, fleshed-out characters. 
Halloween is the exact opposite of, of what you would see in a Friday the 13th, for example. And again, I'm not meaning to pick on Friday the 13th, but certainly the original was it's you know a cash grab attempt to copy the success of Halloween. It, again, it did very well at the box office, and, and again, Jason Voorhees is a character in his own right, but I mean, it, it misses the mark on Halloween. They, they thought blood and guts was the way to go, when in reality, why I think Halloween is sort of in a class by itself, it's it never disposes with story, okay? That we are following the story. We are invested in the characters. Again, we've all known in our lives people like Linda and Annie, Lori. I mean, you know, Lori could be, you know, our sister. Like, you know, like there's that familiarity, that connection. And so because the characters were were so well written and developed and i and i and that really is a hat tip to to Deborah Hill because she was instrumental in writing the female characters she really made them realistic she had been a babysitter so she had that kind of familiarity and could put her own spin on it and it really shines through because so when Annie dies you know was again spoiler alert but like you know when Annie is killed by Michael when Linda's killed when when Lori is investigating when Laurie's being chased by Michael Myers we are invested in these characters we fear for Laurie Laurie is someone oh my god we have to protect her like it 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 your your gut reaction is to fear for the characters whereas if you watch a Friday the 13th movie by comparison it's like okay what's the creative ways you know character x y and z are going to die and and again that's fine it that is a perfect way to do a slasher film to get your business done, but insofar as making memorable characters, I mean, look, it's fair to say, if you were to ask, you know, folks necessarily, name a Friday the 13th character outside of Jason and his mother, 9 out of 10 people will not be able to give you that. Now, if you say name Nightmare and Elton, you know, a lot of people would probably say, you know, of course, we'll say Freddy. But beyond that, I'm not sure people could say. Maybe Nancy. Again, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the, the fans, people who, who love the genre. You know, again, I'm not, not, not calling them up. But I'm saying, on average, like, the Halloween characters are much more developed and much more nuanced because they're not cardboard cutouts. They are, they are actual, you know, they, they feel like real people. So, like, when they... When the characters die or when they're in danger, we, the audience, are on that journey with them because we've made that investment. And that is something that Halloween excels at because not only is it prioritizing suspense and actual dread, you know, it's irrelevant whether or not there's blood and guts everywhere. It's the buildup, the idea of, oh, my God, what's behind the door? What's in the closet? What's, you know, what's in the shadows? I mean, it's all the theater of the mind, if you will. That's what makes the movie work and again when you have characters that are that feel real and developed you're going to be invested in their journey and hopefully their survival versus just you know you know character x y and z a few traits here a few traits there and okay let's see how jason's going to cut their heads off like i mean that's that's you know that's again one way to do it but there is just something different about the halloween films and that's Again, what I you know t- you have to tip your hat to Carpenter and Hill. They were prioritizing story, you know, and again, not cluttering the film up. It's not one of these things where it's like every five minutes we have to have a death scene. It's like they were very instrumental 
and, and making it in kind of a simplistic idea of, okay, we have this, you know, this moment here, you know, what are, what are scares? What are moments that would be terrifying to an audience? You know, for example, the scene with Linda and, you know, which who she thinks is Bob, but it's really Michael hiding under the sheets. Like that's, that's perfect, you know, Hitchcockian suspense and, and, and tension. And it's like, you know, we, the audience know what's there, but the character doesn't. And it's like that, that's, that's better than just sort of, you know, the quick shock of the monster coming out, killing the person and then moving on. Like, again, it's all about the buildup. It's all about the dread and the suspense and, you know, what we picture in our mind. And that's why I think, you know, Michael Myers is sort of more terrifying than anything, you know, that you could, you you know, you could see past or present because it's this blank shape, if you will, you know, not to put too fine a point on it. It, 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 the mask, as it's described in the in the script, is is like you know borderline human features, but not human features. You know, clearly wearing a mask, but not you know not overly specific. And I mean, they nailed it. They nailed it with that mask. The other choice they had was a clown mask, and I you know and get the symbolism certainly from what the movie starts with. But they made the right choice because what you see there is this this blank face and what we do is we the audience we can project our own fears and paranoias and and images onto that mask and then whatever's behind it it's irrelevant because we the audience have created this own you know kind of fear and anxiety in our own minds and that's terrifying that that's again bringing the audience along for the ride and and I and I will just say the one sequence where Michael Myers is unmasked in the film, you know, first as a child and then later as an adult, I, I think was brilliant because it wasn't like Carpenter was going to reveal some deformed, scary, you know, Frankenstein monster. It, it, it's a kid, you know, it's a six-year-old boy. It's a, you know, 21-year-old man. Like, it could be the person down the street. And again, I think that ties back into the simplicity of the story. And I'm not talking, you know, simplicity as a a criticism. It's the way the story is constructed. Carpenter's whole pitch, his whole take was bad things happen for no apparent reason. And that's scary. And, And that's why the movie, I think, has such resonance and staying power because... You know, so much of our life, we we look for explanations. We want to understand why. And when we don't get a why, when we don't understand something, it's both frustrating and frightening. And that's what you get with, with Michael Myers. There's no reason for what he's doing. This isn't, you know, Jason, who's, you know, a glorified mama's boy running around with a hockey mask. There's none of that. It's not Freddy Krueger. Like, you know, you know, even Dracula. Like, Michael Myers is terrifying because his motives make sense to him alone. And we, the audience, do not know what said motives are, and I will put a bigger point on it, we never should. And again, that's what the first film does so well. And again, I I contrast that with the sequel, which while I enjoy Halloween 2, I will go on the record. I think making the brother and sister storyline was a mistake. And I, I... it's what I really love about the new films and why I'm so glad that, that David Gordon Green and company decided to just focus on the 1978 film because Michael's mo- motives are are pure, so to speak. You know, they're, 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 they're abstract. They're, it's a blank canvas. It's not him going after his sister. It's not him going after his family. It's just 
the randomness of of his acts. There's no rhyme or reason. You know, just you know, as Luma says, purely and simply evil, and and that is frightening because that's something you can't understand. It's something you can't rationalize with, and it is something you can't control. And again, that has you know, it has real life uh, you know implications. I mean, not saying you know necessarily movies you know should always reflect real life, and certainly you know Halloween is is is, is fictional you know to say the the very least. But you know the idea of of evil and the idea that evil never dies. I mean, that's that's what we see in our own lives. I mean, this is not destroying Godzilla or or or, or you know. Uh, putting a stake through Dracula, like, I mean, evil is real. I mean, evil exists in our world today, unfortunately. Uh, but but, but it's, it's, you know, it's part of society. It's part of human nature. And, and it's, it's relatable in the sense of we all are aware of it. We all know that bad things can happen. And, and I think when you can put that in a film, again, in a controlled setting, you have the ingredients for a a fantastic story, and that's what the original Halloween film is. It's a fantastic story with 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 no motive. It's not like they're trying to make a point necessarily. I mean, you know, yes, evil never dies. You know, that's that's a great thing, but it's not like there's some kind of a lesson. There's not some big twist at the end of the film, uh, as a lot of uh, you know more modern horror movies uh, try to. Try to try to try to accomplish some successful, some not, um, but uh, you know. Nevertheless, it, it, it just this film exists to be a scary movie, and, and I think that 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 is something we're celebrating. And, and you know, again, putting you know the the scares aside, it, it's well made. It's well made just from its its technical standpoint, the way the camera is used. To, to tell the story. The camera is very much a part of the film, as are the actors and the environment. Uh, again, I mentioned the lighting. Lighting plays such a huge role in this film, in the way shadows are conveyed. I mean, Carpenter is a master with, this, with, with the camera work in this film because he's using it to both tell the story and, and in many ways, be the character. We're seeing points of view of, the, of, of Michael, of Laurie. It's all right there and it's it's brilliant i go back to the opening we're in the killer's point of view or we're following young michael myers as he goes into the house to murder his sister like you know that again was nothing you know revolutionary per, you know per se but the idea was you know putting it all together you know carpenter took all of the great sort of you know tricks of the trade and and molded it into this this perfect concoction that that is this this film and I'd be remiss if I did not mention the the the, the cast. As I said, the characters are well written and they're realistic, and so therefore we, the audience, can identify with them and and feel for them and go on the journey with them. And again, this is not to you know necessarily jump on the other films in 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 sort of the 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 genre, but I mean these characters are are not only well developed, but they're, but they're well acted. You know, I mean, like sometimes a knock on horror movies, particularly in the eighties where there was sort of this this gluttony of 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 slasher films, the characters are sta- are very much flat and one dimensional and the acting is even worse. Um, you know, but again, for most of those films you're not going to see, you know, Academy Award winning performances. You're going to see films, you know, that are there 
for one effect and one effect only, which is, you know, to you know, be splatter and gore and, and scare the hell out of you, basically. And that's it. Whereas this this is a much different film. It's very much a, and I would almost argue a character piece, because I, I think the way that they're written, Laurie, Linda, Annie, Loomis, we can all see different, you know, parts of ourselves, people we know in these characters, and therefore they're immediately identifiable and relatable. As I said, we've all known a Lori, a Linda, an Annie. We may have them in our lives. Like you know, we, we know those the, those types of people. We know we know people like that, and that again invest with us on the journey. And it's not like anybody in this film is kind of you know giving a wink and a nod. There's no. There's no, you know, look to the look to the camera and oh, this is a horror movie. Like, no, they're all playing it straight. They're all playing it for real. This was Jamie Lee Curtis's first film. Like this, this was it. Like this was her big break. You know, introducing Jamie Lee Curtis, and interestingly enough, she she thought she was going to get fired from the film. She thought she was horrible the first day. And and the phone rang at her apartment, and it was John Carpenter, and she said, oh, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to be fired. And he said, no, I'm just calling to tell you that I really enjoyed the first day. Uh, I thought you were great, and I'm looking forward to tomorrow. Like, you know, there it, it was that kind of camaraderie on set. But again, you know, this is Jamie Lee Curtis's first film. She must have been, you know, over the moon and, and filled with anxiety, even though she came, you know, from a, you know, a... a, a a, a family of, of, of well-known celebrities. You know, mother was Janet Leigh, father was Tony Curtis. I mean, there was that, you know, life in the spotlight. But, I mean, this was her first break. I mean, she said it was so, you know, daunting and, and, and cool at the same time to have a script with your character's name on almost every page. And, like, she plays it real. It's never over the top. It's never, you know, winking and nodding. She plays it like a real high school student you know what i mean like again the fact that you know they went and bought all her clothes at jc penny's again you know one they had no money you know, so they were working with a very limited budget but again there's that that just that realness the idea of okay Lori would wear this she would go here she would buy x y and z like there's just that that authenticity that comes through and even with the loomis character who who you know certainly by you know the nature is kind of meant to be the exposition character and, and, and certainly has, you know, the, the hammiest role. Donald Pleasance doesn't overdo it. He he plays it very serious. It, it's not one of these things. Again, he's winking and nodding. No, you believe every word that he says. And it's interesting, you know, certainly horror fans will appreciate this, but, but Donald Pleasance was not the original choice to, to play Dr. Loomis. I mean, again, can't imagine anyone else playing Loomis uh, today, but but he was not the first choice. Peter Cushing was originally the first choice for Dr. Loomis. Uh, again, kind of Carpenter's hat tip to the Hammer Horror films. And the idea was, okay, well, Cushing had been uh, in you know the Dracula films. He'd been Van Helsing. He played um, uh, Dr. Frankenstein. You know, perfect fit. Well, uh, Peter Cushing, uh, his, his agents politely said oh no 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 uh, we're not going to uh you know be in a low budget uh horror movie like that so you know that that was on 
The second choice, interestingly enough, Christopher Lee, another alum from the Hammer Horror films. And again, I can understand why uh, Carpenter would want to go to either Cushing or Lee because of their connection with the genre and how it would kind of work out. You had Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, her mother had been in Psycho, you know, again, kind of building everything, you know, in a symbiotic way. Well, Cush, uh, Lee turned it down. And uh, he later said years down the road to Carpenter and Hill, that was the biggest mistake of his career. He said, I should have been in that film. And again, Cushing's Loomis, I think, is not hard to imagine. If you've seen any of the Van Helsing uh, roles he played in the Hammer Horror films uh, of Dracula, he did a number of them, it's not a stretch to see what his Loomis would have been. I think very much in the Van Helsing mold. I mean, Loomis is kind of a Van Helsing archetype, but I think it's easy to see what Cushing would have done. Lee is an interesting one because he certainly would have been taller uh, than than Donald Pleasance or Peter Cushing, and, and would have been you know certainly taller than Michael Myers, and, and you know maybe that would have suggested you know casting a taller Michael Myers. But there's again. I mean, Donald Pleasance is is the case of perfect casting. I mean, just the stars aligned. I mean, that was the right person for the role. Uh, and it works on so many levels. Again, Loomis is not a, an imposing man, you know, you know height-wise. But he is imposing from the way he you know commands attention, the way he speaks, his eyes, everything. And that's all Donald Pleasance. And so, you know, as much as it's fun to, to think, oh, you know, what if, you know, what if Christopher Lee, you know, had played Dr. Loomis, you know, to me, there there will always, Donald Pleasance is Dr. Loomis, you know, no disrespect to Malcolm McDowell, but like Donald Pleasance is Dr. Loomis, that, that is, that, that's the character and, 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 and vice versa. Like, I mean, that, that's it. Um, and, and talk about just, uh, in many ways, kind of a coup getting him. He was the big get for the movie because of course everyone else was, you know, either, you know, uh, no-name actors or in the case of Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, her first starring role, you know, this was, he was a major get for the movie and he was only on, on set for like five or seven days because they didn't obviously have the budget to pay him long term. So all of his scenes were shot in like a week and for a week's work, I mean, dear God, I mean, he, he really delivers a, a, just an incredible performance and again, he created a, a character that is, you know, even though he is absent from the later films, he looms large over the franchise uh, and is just as important and in many ways might be even more important than the Laurie Strode character just because, you know, just of just his stature as an actor, but also his just the role that he that he played. It was a a wonderful creation of of, of Carpenter and, uh, and and Pleasance and and Carpenter really is responsible for the Loomis and kind of evil personification of Michael Myers in in the script. That was all his. You know, Hill really wrote the 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 girl characters, and and Carpenter really focused on Loomis and and the kind of the evil mythology. So it really it was a perfect partnership and a perfect marriage, if you will, of of different ideas, different talents, and everything kind of coming together. And and again, you know, I would be remiss if I did not mention, of course, the uh, the central figure, Michael Myers. Dear God, I mean. <sighs> What I think is so brilliant about it, again, going back to the simplicity of it, Michael Myers is not some tall, imposing brute. <laughs> you know, 
in this film, he is an average man. You know, he's high, you know, average height. There's nothing that says to him, if you were to see basically him on the street without the mask, that this is Michael Myers. Oh my God, run for your life. But it works in this film. And I, and again, I, that has to be attributed to, to Nick Castle, just his, his, his mannerism, the way he, he walked. And he has said there was no real direction. It wasn't even direction in the script. You know, John Carpenter just said, just walk from, you know, point A to point B. And, and, um, you know, uh, uh, Nick Castle did that. Of course, he had his own his own flourishes and, you know, the head tilt uh, and whatnot. But, I mean, he, he is as much responsible for this character's impact as is his, you know, initial creation from Carpenter and Hill. Just the way he was portrayed. Again, never running, never kind of this, you know, hulking brute, just, you know, a man. Well, we don't know. Maybe he isn't a man. He acts like a man, but like that's that's frightening. That is frightening. That is more frightening than you know. Think Jason Voorhees or Freddy Krueger or even you know the Frankenstein monster. There just something is terrifying about somebody hiding in the shadows, somebody lurking behind the door and just watching, just looking at you. And again. It gets back to that sort of primal fear that we all have, you know, just of, you know, of, of, of death and, and, and just, you know, the dark and, 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 and just sort of, you know, what's behind the corner. Halloween taps into all of those fears. And again, it's on full display in, in this story. I mean, you just you see such a wide range of, of emotions and experiences. And again, as I said, you feel invested. I was invested in these characters. Again, Jamie Lee Curtis comes across like, you know, a, you know, like a younger sister or, you know, someone we've known who you just, you feel for and, and she's, you know, resilient and she's determined. And it's like, again, we, the audience are going on that journey with her. And again, it's never played for laughs. It's never over the top. It's played real. And, and again, I think that's, you know, maybe that's you know again part of the genius of the film is that again nobody knew they were making this 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 impactful uh, film that would change the face of of pop culture certainly in, you know in the horror genre. But I mean, you know what came out of this movie was 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 a a, a bona fide classic. Now, interestingly enough, it did not have the impact right away. Halloween was again much like the film itself was a slow burner at the box office. They took it from city to city. I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis famously said, you know, it wasn't like the movie came out and boom, the next day she was, you know, greeted with, you know, uh, throngs of, uh, of, of autograph seekers at the supermarket. Like, it was a slow burner. It went from city to city, started getting more reviews, more sold-out showings, word of mouth. Word of mouth was really big with this film. And... The 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 one of the producers, Yuran uh, Blancs, uh, he was really instrumental. I mean, he not only came up with the idea of the film and the idea of this like you know movie called Halloween set on Halloween, uh, and of course he you know pitched it to John Carpenter and and you know the rest is history. But but Yablons was really this master. Uh, I believe he's still alive, but he really was was a promoter. He he knew how to sell. Movies. He knew what would get people into the audience, and, and again, word of mouth was key. And I think that is again before social media, before you know mass advertising. 
Halloween succeeded because they went city to city, place to place, and it just built up this reputation as a scary film, but also a well-made film. And again, you know, there's stories of people literally coming out of the theater, telling the people in line, oh my God, you're going to be scared out of your fucking mind. Like, it's just like, it's that kind of, of impact. And, and you can't, you know, all the reviews, all the accolades in the world will do nothing uh, if you don't have positive word of mouth. And Halloween, you know, thankfully had a, a, a positive reception everywhere it went. And that's, of course, what, what built it into this this mega hit. And of course, when you have a film called Halloween, and it's set on Halloween, you've already got a built-in audience. You already have a built-in uh, sense of advertising because you could literally show this movie every year and people are going to show up and watch it. Point in case, what has happened now in 2018, 2021, and I am quite confident will happen in 2022. Uh the marketing writes itself for a film like this. So, I mean, why why do I keep going back to it? Why do I enjoy this film? It, it it's fun. It is a fun film. It is a suspenseful film. It is a scary film. It is an emotional film. Like it it, it has all the ingredients of you know any name any classic film. You know acting direction, story, lighting, camera work. I mean, just like boom, boom, boom. Check every box. It has it. And it's one of those films. Again, I, you know, I call it a comfort film because like you can literally, literally I, I will watch it multiple times a year and I never get sick of it. I enjoy it, you know, on the 10th time as I did in the first time. It's just, it's one of those films where I, I love going back to it Again, I've seen it dozens and dozens of times, but each time it feels new. It feels like it's the first time you're going on that journey. And again, it's about the slow burn. I, I, I am a, a, uh, a viewer, an audience member who loves a slow burner. I love being able to spend time with characters and get a feel of the situation, really get invested in the story before the action hits full throttle. And certainly in this film, you know, kind of once you get to the end of the second act, beginning of the third, it, it is nonstop. I mean, from the moment Laurie discovers Linda and Annie and Bob in the house and Michael is going after her, I, it is nonstop terror and dread all the way to the very end. And even then, it keeps on going because, again, evil never dies. But, uh, you know, I think that's, for me, that that's what I really like, uh, I love about this film. And it's it's something, when I look back in, in kind of, in the whole, what many of the sequels, uh, and I will certainly get to the newer films in the coming weeks, but it's what the sequels lack, which is that sense of character, which is that sense of, of story development. Again, Halloween takes its time. It doesn't rush into the into the drama in and into the to the to the action, so to speak. It's all about the suspense and this foreboding sense of dread. I mean again, going back to the way the film is shot, the way the film is lit, just the scene of Laurie walking to school or walking home from school and Michael is lurking. 
that is that is worth a thousand a thousand uh, you know stabs and kills, if you will. Like it, it's just it's building suspense. It's creating tension. It's unnerving. Now I get it. Some you know modern audiences you know kind of want the spectacle. I prefer story over spectacle. Kind of you know arriving at spectacle after you've gone through a story, and that's what this film excels at that's why it is a classic and it it's why it will never die in 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 my eyes because it is so well made and and that is not something that can be said and i say this as a fan of the genre it is not something that can be said about a lot of slasher horror films i mean again a lot of it especially in the 80s it was made they were made for a quick uh and easy buck and the quality shows. I mean, again, there were so many of these films in the eighties, silent night, deadly night, uh, you know, my bloody Valentine, like, you know, there's so many out there that, you know, people don't even remember them. They may know bits and pieces of them, but like, there's a reason why there's only a handful that, that, that people go back to the people remember. And Halloween is right at the top. Again, it was not the first, you know, there were others that came, but it really took what preceded it and built it into this machine that has kept on going now 44 years later. And as we head into to Halloween ends in just a few short weeks, it is remarkable just how much this character has endured over the years through all of the pitfalls, through all of the revivals and, and reboots and remakes. It's still there. And I think the reason is it goes back to that original vision, that original story that John Carpenter and Deborah Hill were telling about a small town where you think you're safe, you think nothing can get you, but surprise, surprise, evil comes to comes knocking at your door. And that is frightening. Because because again, as I said, it's something you can't control, it's something you can't understand. This isn't about zombies, it's not about men from outer space. It's not about a a mama's boy in a hockey mask or a guy in your dreams. It's, it it feels real. You know, again, it's heightened obviously, but there is that, that sense that, oh my God, this could happen to me. And that is why Halloween is a classic. It's why it is endured. And frankly, it's why we will continue to be talking about it now and probably 44 years from now. I mean, Halloween is in the same pantheon as Dracula, as Frankenstein, the Omen. I mean, like, it, it's it's right there, The Exorcist, I and mean, it's right there with all of the classic horror movies uh, of the genre. And as far as I'm concerned, it's the greatest ever made, and it is one of my favorite films of all time. So with that, <laughs> I think I have said my piece for today i have i have carved uh, carved up this pumpkin i think it's looking pretty uh pretty well so to speak i'm going to put a candle in it and uh wrap up today's show uh, as always thank you for tuning in uh sincerely appreciate you uh taking the time to listen and uh i'll be back next week we'll be tackling the 2018 halloween uh the the film that ignored all the sequels and said we're just focusing on the 1978 film and of course i will have thoughts to share with you on that until then everyone take care be well stay safe and go check out some movies there's a lot playing this week and certainly uh as we enter spooky season we are in spooky season a lot of great films on the way and uh 
dropping tomorrow. Well, today, actually, Hocus Pocus 2, and I'll be checking that out uh, over the weekend. Until next week, everybody, take care.